Welcome to episode five of the Ask the Law Firm Seller Show. My name is Jeremy Pook and I lead Senior Attorney Match. In today's show, we'll have three segments. The first segment will consist of questions and answers, Q&A. The second is we'll welcome in a guest, attorney Paul Tetzel of Tetzel Law. Tetzel Law several years ago um, grew by acquiring a, um, a senior attorney-led personal injury law firm. And segment three will be Pook's Post. And just a preview for Pook's Post today, it's going to be about the fact that the book of business that senior attorneys develop over the course of their careers is not evergreen. All right, let's jump right into it. So our first question um, is, if I plan to sell my law practice within the next one to two years, what do you recommend? Great question. Most lawyers are thinking to themselves that they don't want to sell the law practice you know, within just a couple of months. Often they are thinking a year or two ahead. So what we're showing here is really four major items to be considering when you're thinking 12 to 24 months ahead in terms of selling your law practice. First and foremost, your most valuable asset of your law practice is your book of business it's your client list and so many lawyers year in year out we think to ourselves okay who's the next client who's the next client we're trying to bring in business some of us are doing a decent job at marketing and staying in touch with our clients but as you're thinking about selling your practice very 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 important so those were three varies right on uh updating the client list in terms of updating the addresses of your clients the email addresses of your clients, phone numbers, and very importantly, cell phone numbers, right? We're all texting with our clients today, or many of us are texting with our clients, and having their cell phone numbers is certainly important. So first and foremost, please update the address information for the clients within your book of business, which consists, of course, of your client list and also your referral sources. What is, what is their contact information? Secondly, is please update your website. So many of us think to ourselves like, okay, I'll do it next month. I'll do it next year. When you're thinking of selling your law firm, it doesn't need to be, you know, the best website out there, but certainly sprucing it up. By comparison, if you're thinking of selling the home that you lived in for a generation, before you sell your home, you very well may paint the outside, update a bathroom, update other parts of your house. So similarly, like your website, please consider updating your bios, adding new pictures, adding new content. Maybe the last time that you updated your website, you didn't include certain practice areas because any buyer, the first thing that they're gonna be looking at when they're considering purchasing your law practice, they're gonna go straight to your website. You don't want your website to be the 2012 version of what you are now. Third is social media could be daunting, okay? We understand there's so many aspects of social media today, so we here recommend a minimum and an ideal. On a minimum basis, considering you've got 12 to 24 months as you're considering to sell your law firm, is please update your LinkedIn profile. Just as people are going to your website to check you out, they also are gonna check you out on LinkedIn. So that picture of yourself from like 10 years ago, just please go out, get a professional, photo done, doesn't cost that much, doesn't take too much time, 
add that to your LinkedIn profile, expand please on your, on your bio, what it is that you do. Please also try to increase the number of contacts. I can just tell you as someone that looks at a lot of LinkedIn profiles, when I see someone that has 40 connections or even 150 connections, I just think to myself, boy, this person is really not that connected with all that many people. They're not so focused on, on, on networking. Even from a seller standpoint, I mean, you've grown your business, I recognize, by a lot of word of mouth, but getting up to 500 connections is really not that difficult you know a lot of people and updating that LinkedIn profile is very important because people buyers are going to be looking at your website and your LinkedIn profile I the ideal is to also just start dibbling and dabbling or maybe expanding if you're already if you've already dibbled and dabbled with additional social media that is Facebook posts Facebook groups threads Twitter which is now X Instagram is starting to do social media because would-be buyers and also would-be clients are looking for you on social media today as well. And then with that 12 to 24 month ramp that you've got, please start reviewing important contracts, right? Like your lease. When is the lease set to renew? Okay. And please consider if your lease is set to renew within that one to two year period, do you really want to extend it for five years? Perhaps you extend it for less time with more options just to give yourself flexibility and just not to be caught off guard with certain term contracts like your legal research contract, even that website contract that you that you have, your benefits packages, and certainly your malpractice insurance. It's important to look at you know what it is that you have for for your for your policy um, uh, term in terms of well of course they're they're annual but in terms of what that um, aggregate amount is and what a tail policy cost would be when you look at the malpractice um, insurance and certainly there's additional contracts that you can be looking at um, as well. Okay, for our second question today, um, our second question is what are the typical financial terms? in law firm sales. All right, so what we're gonna focus on on this question in terms of the, um, the typical financial terms in law firm sales. We are in, and I foresee that we're gonna continue to be in for the foreseeable future, what we call law firm sales 1.0. The financial terms in law firm sales 1.0 consists of an earnout price. Rather than there be consideration paid at a closing table, most buyers are wary of paying a significant amount up front at a closing table, and banks are wary to lend because we don't know whether the key value item of the sale of a law firm, which is the clients and referral sources of a selling lawyer or selling law firm, we don't know if those clients and referral sources are going to continue with a buyer. Hence, the financial terms are typically based upon earnout terms. And those earnout terms are often a percentage of the revenues that come in from the clients derived from a senior attorney's client list and referral source list paid out over a negotiated number of years. So again, very succinctly, it's a percentage of revenues comes in from what we'll call now the book of business over a negotiated number of years. What we're often seeing in the marketplace is a 20% fee sharing, can be higher, can also be lower, over a, let's say a five-year period, and that results in a one times of gross revenues is something we're often seeing in the marketplace for the financial terms in a law firm sales 1.0 type of sale. Now, how is it actually done in terms of 
how the clients come over to the growing to a growing law firm, a purchaser. Trust transfer is the key element to making sure that sellers realize the consideration that their firms are worth, that earnout price of being paid a percentage of the revenues that come in from the book of business, the, the generation of those, or really regeneration or ongoing generation of revenues from the book of business depends upon the senior attorney transferring the trust of his or her clients to the lawyers at the, at the buying firm, what we call growing law firms. So what often happens is our clients join a growing law firm, enter into these earnout terms, and the senior attorney, <clears throat> excuse me, is responsible for transferring the trust of clients to those lawyers at the growing firm, and it's done in really three ways. The first way is in person. Meet in person with clients and say to the clients, I'm now working with new partners. My new partners, let's say, are Ashley and Mike. I trust Ashley and Mike. You can trust Ashley and Mike. Trust transfer happens. It works. Second, now that we are in a post-2020 world, we are in the Zoom world. We've all been what's called Zoomified, right? We, we, we live in this world where we can be meeting with people online in a digital setting. Trust transfer happens exactly the same way where a senior attorney can be almost anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world, get onto a Zoom meeting with clients, lawyers at the firm that the, that the senior attorney joined, do the trans, trust transfer, that also works. And then the third way, which is a great way to develop business for the growing for the growing law firm, including with different practice areas that a growing law firm may offer in addition to what a senior attorney has traditionally offered, is via social media, right? That book of business that a senior attorney has developed and brings over to a growing law firm. Well, if that growing law firm starts sending e-newsletters and other types of social media type touches with the book of business with the clients of a senior attorney then those clients may very well call whether into the senior attorney or sometimes even bypass the senior attorney and say oh i see now that you guys do let's say divorce i always work with such and such senior attorney i see that you're the divorce attorney i received the e-newsletter explaining about your family law department and unfortunately you know my my niece is going through a divorce could you uh, could you represent my niece and the senior attorney gets credit for that because of the trust transfer that was done digitally via social media. Trust transfer is what we call that flux capacitor. It is what makes the earnouts happen because it's so important to transfer the trust of your clients to the lawyers and the law firm that you join. Okay, for our next question today. Our next question is, should I consider selling to a growing law firm that wants to add my practice area to its practice? All right, so this is a question that comes up with our clients from time to time. That is, all right, I've developed um, a, a, a T&E practice, okay? And I do T&E, I do some corporate, I do some real estate. Why don't I bring over that transactional type practice to a litigation firm, okay? Because they don't offer T&E and corporate and real estate, and, and that would be a great fit for what my practice offers. So here I'll go family feud style, and just say, okay, survey says on that, and, okay, we really don't believe in that, that add on to a new practice because what we see in the marketplace is the right buyer for senior attorneys is a firm that is already practicing in the area where you practice. And they 
have needs in terms of how they can continue to boost their growth. What a firm, so just go back to our example, a firm, let's say, that's in growth mode, they do real estate, they do trust in estates, they do corporate. Well, what do they need, right? They need new clients. They need an experienced workforce that is other lawyers and para staff that can that that can grow with that growing firm. And in today's post twenty twenty post twenty twenty world, what we call the three digital era for the legal industry, they need digital content. And what senior attorney-led firms offer to the firms that are what we call like-kind, right? Your, your T&E real estate and corporate firm is like-kind to a growing firm that does the same as you. You have exactly what they need. So rather than think of trying to join a firm that isn't doing what you're doing, what we find the right firm is a firm that is doing exactly what you're doing because you have what they want. And just to show that in a bit of a different way in terms of the benefits of growth by acquisition, okay? Because as you're thinking, who's the right firm to sell to? The benefits of growth by acquisition, there are four key benefits to growing law firms. Those are the instant client growth of what a senior attorney-led firm presents with its book of business. The combined workforce bringing over lawyers, of course, the senior attorney, but other lawyers and para staff from the senior attorney-led firm to the growing firm, huge benefit. The third benefit is the cumulative expertise. You, senior attorneys, other attorneys at your firm, and the para staff, they've developed all kinds of experience in the same like-kind practice areas as a, as a growing law firm. That cumulative expertise presents great benefits to a growing law firm. And then finally is the marketing value. Many senior attorney-led firms are sitting on a tremendous amount of digital content. They just don't even really realize it. All that expertise that they've developed that can be translated into content today in podcasts, vo uh, blogs, vlogs, e-newsletters, all the things that most senior attorneys don't have the time to do when they join growing law firms, that content that they're sitting at, can, sitting on can be marketed not only to the clients of the senior attorney, but the clients of the growing law firms that they've joined, and also just generally in, term of, in, in terms of marketing to the general public once these two firms combine, because again, the senior attorneys present these great benefits to growing law firms that practice in like-kind areas as a senior attorney. So our next question. Um, our next question is, all right, I'm worried that if I ask my internal successor to purchase my practice, she'll just look for another job. What do you recommend that I do? All right, this is a tough one, okay? Because often um, what we find is that the senior attorneys and their would-be internal successors just ignore something that is super important that they should not be ignoring after a certain period of time. That is what a senior attorney is thinking about um, retiring or semi-retiring. What we find, the thoughts that they have is when will my internal successors, when will they come down the hall and offer to buy my practice. That's absolutely on their mind. It's on their mind when it's their birthday. It's on their mind um, on the first of the year. It's on their mind when they're uh, paying rent. It's on their mind um, when they're pay when they're paying paychecks. Not that it's on their mind all the time, but it's absolutely on the minds of senior attorneys, attorneys that have practiced more than 30 years. What's on the mind of the internal successors? What's on the mind typically of the internal successors are thinking, geez, what happens if my boss retires? Okay, boy, I can't, I can't afford 
to purchase this law practice. I've got all kinds of other expenses going on in my life. And then should I actually call back that recruiter who keeps calling me and telling me that I've got another opportunity at another firm that I could join? So as these, as these thoughts are going through the minds of the senior attorney, thinking when could the internal successor come and purchase my practice, and the internal successor thinking that they don't really want to purchase, they really can't afford to either, just want to show what happens with client revenues, okay? Over time, what we find is that lawyers that stay in their status quo, that is senior attorneys that stay in their status quo, and they don't have internal successors that are big biz dev type folks, we find that revenues are going down over the years because senior attorneys by and large are not marketing digitally in today's 3.0 digital era and less new clients are coming into the firm which is resulting in less revenue. So revenues are going down generally. But if a internal successor hits you up with what we call a random Tuesday, someone that could have been working with you for five years, 10 years, 15 plus years may very well walk down the hall one day and say to you, you know what? I'm leaving. I got an offer for a better for a better job, and um, I, I know that you always wanted me to take over the practice, but I just got a better job, and this is better for me and my family. So, if your internal successor doesn't want to purchase the practice, and that random Tuesday could potentially happen, then what is your other option? And what we find is that the synergy value of what senior attorney-led firms offer to growing law firms is an under-recognized opportunity for senior attorneys and for their would-be internal successors. Because once senior attorneys recognize that their would-be internal successor really doesn't want to purchase their practice and can't afford to either, then we love to hit them up with great news that look, a growing law firm does want and need what you have because you offer instant client growth. The combined workforce, your internal successor that really wants a job would love to have a job at a growing law firm and have that stability that a growing law firm can offer and they want and need that internal successor who really doesn't want to purchase your law firm. The cumulative expertise that you all offer, that is you, the senior attorney, your attorneys that work with you, your para staff, great value add to growing law firms and then the marketing value of what senior attorneys can offer to growing law firms that synergy value in terms of who wants that synergy value it is growing law firms want your law firms they need your firms they need your staff a heck of a lot more than the would-be internal successor that you just wish would walk down the hallway and offer to purchase your law firm so now for um, segment two of today's show um, is going to be Q&A um, with uh, attorney Paul Tetzel. So I'm really excited to introduce uh, my friend and colleague Paul Tetzel of Tetzel Law based in Boston, Massachusetts. Tetzel Law um, welcomed in two senior attorney, PI attorneys into their practice several years ago. I'm excited to hear and ask some questions from Paul about that experience. So Paul, welcome. And uh, can you please share um, a few words about yourself, some background about you and Tetzel Law, please? Sure, sure. Thanks for having me on, Jeremy. Nice to see you again. Um, my name is Paul Tetzel. Uh, I uh, founded Tetzel Law, uh, a law firm in Boston uh, that focuses on serious and catastrophic personal injury cases in 2014. A uh, little bit about me. 
I grew up in Millbury, a small little town outside of Worcester, um, played some football, and uh, ultimately went to Bentley for undergrad, Suffolk Law Knights, worked at uh, a boutique personal injury firm in the greater Boston area for a period of time, and then ultimately started Tetzel Law in 2014, like I had said. And uh, we are, you know, almost at 10 years of existence, and we've got six lawyers and growing, um, partly because of uh, some of the work that I've done with Jeremy. And um, we've got a heavy focus, like I said, on serious and catastrophic cases, uh, a lot of construction cases and nursing home cases, but also, you know, your serious auto and premise cases in addition to that. So it's a little bit about me. Great. So Paul, thanks so much. We have four questions for you today. So um, here's the first question. First question is, you know, what opportunity did you see when we began discussing two senior attorneys to join Tetzel Law, what's that opportunity that you saw? So uh, I think the opportunity would probably be different for a lot of different law firms, but when you and I talked, Jeremy, initially, it was come almost five years ago. Uh, so from our standpoint at that point, uh, you know, it was an opportunity to associate with some lawyers that had a great reputation in the legal community. Uh, so that's one of the, the major benefits that I saw is enhancing the reputation of Tetzel Law. Uh, in addition to that, uh, like I said, we are a, a younger law firm. We've got a lot of younger lawyers here. So from the mentoring perspective, having these two lawyers that have been litigating and trying serious uh, personal injury cases was a, I, I viewed it as one of the biggest benefits that we could have from this potential opportunity. Um, the last thing I'll say on that particular question is, uh, I think it opens up doors reputation-wise to generate new business. So as kind of an ancillary opportunity was uh, hopefully attracting and continue to, to attract um, the types of cases that we wanted. Great. And the two attorneys that joined your practice uh, boy, almost four years ago, maybe, maybe between four and five years ago is when they joined the practice. You know, how, as that second question, um, how is welcoming those two senior attorneys PI attorneys to Tetzel Law, how has it benefited the practice? Well, so I guess it's somewhat of a segue to what you originally asked me. You know, what I envisioned was hoping that it would enhance our reputation, and I think it's done that. Um, you know, we are handling more serious and uh, catastrophic you know, personal injury cases, the cases, type of cases that we want to handle. Um, I think our overall work product in the four or five years has greatly enhanced by learning from the two attorneys that we associated with. Um, they brought their wealth of knowledge and we've, we've taken the opportunity to learn from them and, and enhance the quality of work that uh, we put out there. At least I, I like to hope so. Wonderful. And one thing, Paul, that you and I also talk about, you know, that I experience with, you know, with other personal injury law matters is that when tenured trial attorneys join growing law firms, the insurance companies and the defense attorneys know about it too. That is, those attorneys, they have, let's call it batting records, right? They know who's ready and willing and capable and experienced to take matters to trial. Um, so it's one of those other benefits that you and I have talked about. Just curious to know your thoughts on that too, is you know, how has that enhanced even the value of cases at Tetzel Law now that you've added two experienced trial attorneys to the practice? Yeah, without a doubt, Jeremy, I, I think it's really helped enhance the settlements and at the office overall, the quality of the cases. Uh, it, it's no doubt been a big benefit to us um, just having them, them on the letterhead and, and being associated with them. And, and, and I think it's definitely a benefit with the insurance companies, but uh, a lot of the well-known 
defense attorneys that are handling the larger cases when they see some of these attorneys involved in the cases that we're handling, it, it certainly helps. And in some cases, those attorneys that we associated with had a reputation with some of the defense attorneys. So just that alone has really um, helped with the practice overall in the four or five years since we uh, merged with them. Terrific. All right. So then our, our next question is, you know, what advice do you have for senior attorney PI attorneys that are considering selling their law practices? I mean, as someone that's acquired, right? What advice would you have for those senior attorney PI attorneys that are considering selling their practices? So I, I think the first piece of advice is something that I talk to you a lot about, and I think it goes both ways, is that you have to make sure that it's a good fit for both sides uh, from in two ways. Uh, I think it needs to be a good people fit. If you don't have a good people fit, that's oftentimes a recipe for disaster. Uh, but I think it needs to be two firms that are similarly situated, uh, meaning I wanted to associate with uh, senior attorneys or lawyers that handle the types of cases that we handle. Um, Whereas some other law firms that maybe handle uh, cases pre-suit uh, or a, a large volume practice wouldn't be a good fit for me, but might be a good fit for somebody else. So uh, those are two things that I, I think are, are vitally important to doing some type of um, acquisition or merge, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, the other thing that I'd say is that the recommendation I have for a senior attorney is, uh, you know, you should plan ahead. Um, if you do have an interest in trying to scale down or downsizing your practice or retiring, it doesn't happen overnight. And if you just have your standalone practice going, it, it's going to be difficult for you to take that step. Whereas if you plan this type of acquisition in advance and set it out five to 10 years before you ultimately want to retire, um, I think it can be something that's, um, yeah, that's the best way to go about this particular type of situation. If you can't have it, uh, the practice going from lawyers that are already at the practice. Great. Thanks so much. All right. Here's our last question is, um, would you do it again? Uh, without a doubt. Um, you know, I, I said to you, uh, I've said this to you, Jeremy, is any opportunity that comes across my office, I'd, I'd certainly be interested in considering it. But uh, the first, uh, I'll say merge that we've done has gone very well. Uh, and I would, would, without a doubt, consider doing a similar type of merge again or acquisition again in the future. Well, great. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Paul Tetzel, Tetzel Law, um, based in Boston. Just wish you um, and your partners and your colleagues uh, great success going forward. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Jeremy. Good to see you again. You too. So for today's third segment, is Pook's post. Today's Pook's post is your book of business is not evergreen. Okay. And just to say that again, the book of business has the most important asset that senior attorneys and senior attorney led firms have when they're selling their law practices is not evergreen. So let's first look at that book of business. What's the origin story? for most senior attorneys' books of business. It was developed pre-Google for the most part, and we call it that it was developed, senior attorneys developed their books of business the hard way. That is, they went to all types of in-person networking events, countless business cards that were, that were sent out. Um, they had non-digital thought leaderships. Like, what does that mean? Like, when we actually did 
write all kinds of articles and have them published in newspapers and journals. Of course, that still happens today, but it happened a heck of a lot more um, pre-Google and leading CLEs as well. Um, event sponsorships, going to all types of in-person events and placing quarter page ads, half page ads, full page ads um, in all types of uh, events that senior attorneys attended for decades. Um, and then advertising in print, radio, even TV types of advertising. That is what led to developing the book of business that senior attorneys have today in terms of what do they have to sell is the clients and referral sources whom they have developed over the course often of decades. Significantly, the marketplace for consumers of legal services, right? Who are consumers of legal services? Clients. How do clients look for lawyers today? Whereas pre-Google, clients would rely principally on word of mouth. What we're seeing in the marketplace post 2020 is just like we as a society, Google for everything and anything. Well, guess what? Clients today are Googling for lawyers as well. And when they are Googling for lawyers, rather than depending and relying upon word of mouth, it's the law firms that are on the top pages of Google, that all important first page of Google, or are coming up in other types of social media searches that today's clients are performing when they're searching, when they're searching for lawyers, the clients post 2020 are going to those firms that are asking who we consider as America's most popular referral source, Uncle Google, the law firms that are advertising and marketing and paying for clicks and other ways of paying for ads and drawing clients in via Google searches are getting more new clients. What does that mean in terms of the book of business? In terms of the book of business for today's senior attorneys is absolutely not evergreen. Because if you're not generating clients digitally, then your word of mouth, reliance upon yesteryear's word of mouth, means that today's senior attorneys are not generating as many clients as they did in yesteryear. In addition, they're not generating as many referral sources, right? If you've practiced for more than 30 years, how many of your referral sources have already started to retire? That CPA that sent you all types of business for so many years, retired two years ago. The real estate broker who used to send you all types of real estate deals retired six months ago. Friends of yours who used to send work to you have now moved away and they, and, and they have retired. And if you're not replenishing the clients and your referral sources are not referring over clients as much as it did in yesteryear, your book of business is moving into what we call this cautionary orange zone instead of what it was in the pre-Google word of mouth era because you're not generating as many clients and you don't have as many referral sources as you did in yesteryear. And in terms of what we call the five value chips for valuing law firms post 2020, right? when people ask us, what's the value of a law firm? Well, the value of a law firm consists of five value chips of your client list, and referral source list, that is your book of business. Your goodwill, subject matter knowledge, and post-2020, your digital value. Well, if your digital value continues not to keep pace with today's growing younger firms that are 
digitally advertising more and more to attract post-2020 consumers who are looking for their clients on Google, then those cl that client list and referral source list, those chips, those value chips could turn from green to orange. And in terms of um, the what it is that growing law firms want, right? Because we find that growing law firms are your primary, really what we call our preferred buyer of senior attorney-led firms. Well, why do they want to purchase your law firm? Because they recognize the synergy value that you provide. And those synergy value consists of four components. The instant client growth that you provide, your combined workforce, cumulative expertise, and your marketing value. But there's a big but. That synergy value is less valuable if your all-important book of business is not replenishing as much as yesteryear, then you're not offering as much synergy value, right? Because if you have less clients, you're not as valuable. Your combined workforce, if, if your would-be internal successor who doesn't want to purchase your firm and can't afford to, they may hit you up what we call a random Tuesday at some point and leave. And whereas you were offering a combined workforce to a growing firm, if you don't have key lawyers and key para staff at your firm, you're also not as valuable. You absolutely continue to offer the cumulative expertise. You've developed wonderful expertise, typically in multiple practice areas. So that solid stays in green. But if you also aren't marketing and you haven't been marketing as much to your client, to your, to your client base and your referral sources, your marketing value is an if and it's not something that is absolute and, and it's not going to be as attractive to growing firms in terms of that synergy value if you're not taking advantage of the marketing that you can be doing to what could very well be a diminishing client list. So the overall point for today's Pooks post in terms of your book of business is not evergreen is that if you're starting to see that you are not generating as many clients as you did pre-20, or even as you did in, in the pre-Google world, pre-2000, because your firm is based upon word of mouth. We highly recommend that now is the right time to consider selling because your practice is worth more now than it very well could be tomorrow, next month, next year. Because if your book of business does not stay evergreen and you don't have as many clients, as you did in yesteryear, and you potentially lose key employees, your, your firm, your practice is going to be less valuable in that tomorrow world than it is today. And that is today's uh, episode five of the Ask the Law Firm Seller Show.